This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Rosa. And for this episode, I had the opportunity to sit with Luis Cornejo. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He provides mental health services in California. He specializes in LGBTQ and BIPOC communities, specializing in trauma, sex therapy, EMDR. And he came on the podcast to talk about his story, his story of discovering healing from his own wounds, how he was able to tap into his creativity. And we answer very important questions related to how can we pivot to a more authentic and congruent life when it comes to our career path. We talk about how to heal from past emotional wounds through our chosen career. How can we show up more authentically, how to connect with our gifts, what is the role of creativity in the healing journey, and how can a more authentic life bring on more opportunities and growth. So these are some of the topics that we talk about with Luis. He shares very generously his his story of how he was able to leave a very toxic work environment and through that process be able to fully and in a much deeper way connect to his intuition to his gifts and has now been sharing that with the world and with his clients to help them heal and move along on their path. I do need to give a brief disclaimer that this episode does not treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's my interview with Luis Cornejo. Take a listen. Hi, Luis. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about, uh, you know, well, the mental health and myself in general. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to to share with with me and with the audience today. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. So to get started, I would like to to just, you know, get to know you a little bit better and for the folks that are not familiar with you and your work. Can you share with us a little bit about what you do, uh, where you're from, and we can go from there. Of course. So my name is Luis Cornejo and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been in practice now for about eight years uh, and I'm originally from Inglewood, California in LA and I was living up in the Bay Area for a while, probably about 10 years and I actually just relocated back to LA a couple of weeks ago. So I'm now in a uh, in downtown LA, like in the middle of the actual city. So it's been wow, a... Yeah. a yeah, it's been a, a transition. Uh, I'm still technically adjusting. So, uh, you know, this uh, in my space and just my new environment right now. But uh, um, yeah, LA's been home, born and mm-hmm. raised here. 
Uh, my family is actually all located here. So that's been another really nice part of this transition is uh, coming back home in a way uh, and, uh, you know, being able to connect with them uh, in a different uh, stage of my life now, you know, coming back after building my practice and going through my work experience up there and meeting my partner up there uh, to now being back home. Uh, so a lot of my work right now is in my private practice. So I specialize in queer, LGBTQ+, and BIPOC uh, mental health. Uh, that is through my private practice, Psychosocial Therapy, uh, which is a, a group practice that's co-owned with Lizzie Nojosa, who's also a licensed marriage and family therapist, who I met up in San Francisco when I was working at a nonprofit in downtown uh, that supported primarily uh, the Latinx and indigenous communities of San Francisco and the Bay Area. Uh, Liz and I, we hit it off, became close friends, uh, you know, she wasn't just a colleague, she became a confidant and someone that really inspired me. And uh, uh, after I launched my private practice the first year and I was doing it solo, I was like, oh, this is like really lonely. Uh, you know, I, I do definitely feel a little bit isolated now that I'm doing just virtual because of the pandemic and all this stuff. And so uh, when she finished getting her license, we started to talk about like dreams and the future and what we really wanted to set up for ourselves. And uh, we decided to go into this group practice together. So she specializes in working with women, uh, working with couples, doing a lot more cultural healing practices. And I do a lot more LGBTQ, BIPOC, social justice lens, uh, a lot of work around expression, identity. Uh, and I am a, well, I am in the process of certification right now for sex therapy. Uh, so I just submitted my application after three years of a lot of work. So I'm really excited about that. And it's a, a big part of the work that I do. Uh, and the main reason for that was that I really wanted to talk about these topics in the mental health field that are usually very taboo, or there's a lot of shame or stigma, especially in communities of color, right? When we talk about sex, intimacy, fantasy, sexuality, gender, presentation, I mean, all of these different things. Uh, and so that's kind of where I'm really building my expertise uh, and, and have done a lot of work in educating myself, but also in um, supporting folks right through through sexual related concerns. Um, I also do modeling on the side, so I am a queer model. Uh, I am very much a lover of fashion uh, and also um, being able to showcase uh, representation, right, and inclusivity. So I started doing modeling as well two years ago when I launched my private practice. And I started off small, really connecting, networking with folks in the fashion industry and photographers and creatives. And now I've worked with a few designers. I've done a couple of shows where I've walked in, a couple of virtual magazines that I've done for queer creators. And that was part of the big reason why I moved to LA as well, to do more creative uh, work, to do more content, to be around uh, other creatives. Uh, and so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, I also do a few other things. You know, I'm on a nonprofit board for uh, the Latinx Therapy at the Foundation, where uh, we work to provide scholarships for folks of uh, Latinx folks who are not able to afford therapy. Uh, and so they provide uh, the financial resources to cover that. So quite a few little things here and there, but that, you know, that's a little bit about me and, and what I'm currently working on. Yes. Well, welcome back to LA. I'm also in LA. So it's, I, I always love uh, connecting with other folks in, in my area. So welcome back. It's, it was a long, 12, how long would you say? Like 10? It was probably years, 10, 13 or? years on and off. Yeah, it was 10, 13 years on and off. You know, I, I actually left home at 18. 
uh, a big reason was that I, I wasn't really able to be myself here. You know, I came from a very religious, conservative family. Uh, you know, they weren't very open, and I was pretty much taught that being gay was a sin. You know, so there was a lot of taboo and shame there, and so. For me, my only kind of, I guess, uh, uh, half was, you know, to to get out, right? And not that they, it was like uh, really wanting to leave my family. It was really knowing that I wouldn't get to know myself unless I actually had the space, the opportunity, and, um, you know, the safety to do it. And so I left to the Bay Area, started at uh, one university there. Uh, a couple of years, I, I, it didn't go too well. I struggled, uh, had a lot of what now I know was depression. And I think at that point, because we never talked about mental health, I didn't really know. Uh, and I, I, I remember struggling, not just, uh, it wasn't really, it was academically, but it was mostly due to my social life, you know, really learning about myself and, and not having the support, not being able to be openly uh, honest with my family, right, for the support that I needed. And so a lot of mistakes, a lot of social stuff that, you know, really affected me. And, and I remember that really seeping into my academic stuff. And, you know, being a student, being 18, being away from home, being first generation, <laughs> being gay, it was like all, uh, all the all layers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All the layers, all yeah. of them. And, and, you know, having an opportunity for the first time to actually under, start to understand those layers, you know, it was a lot. So after a couple of years, I went back home uh, and I started at Cal State Fullerton and I, I left because I, one, I missed home and two, I just didn't think that I was going to succeed academically if I stayed. And so I decided, you know, I need to go back home, reevaluate everything. And so I did that. Uh, you know, I still didn't even know what I wanted to do for a long time. When I was younger, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then I realized quickly that I hated a lot of the science and a lot of the courses. And it was like, this isn't what I want to do. And I think I've, I've appreciated that about myself uh, a lot is that throughout my life, there's been moments where I come to these realizations of this is maybe not what I want. And do I keep putting energy into this or do I not? And I think that was one big moment when I was up there after two years going through depression, hating everything, you know, everything with, with my major and thinking this is not what I want to do. So I came back to LA and I started thinking about, uh, you know, doing something in law. Uh, I knew I wanted to work with, with, with people. Uh, you know, I knew I wanted to do something to help. And so I tried to do that. It was, a, I think, about a semester down there. And then I realized, like, this is not, you know, I'm also not happy here. And, uh, you know, and I share this because I think so many of us go through the education system and we, we have such unreal, unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And we really kick ourselves down because we think we need to figure everything out. We need to know everything. We need to not make mistakes. And I mean, at that age, you don't even know who you are. And I think for me, that was a big thing, you know, like who who actually am I and, and am I doing these things because I want to do them or because I was told that I should do them and so that was that was a big thing for me yeah, yeah no that's a huge thing for so many young folks just because we there is a lot of pressure to know at a very young age I think you start getting that question in high school right or maybe even younger than that it's like what do you want to do when you grow up and it's like ah. you don't know you say what you think you should say or what your parents are telling you or what the yeah. pressure you know family pressure but the reality yeah. is that when that time comes when you're 18 starting college like what do you know I mean I look back at myself my 18 year old self is like what did I know I didn't know anything <laughs> about what I wanted to do but there I there we are right making these big exactly. decisions 
Yeah. Exactly. And it's such a loaded question. We ask little kids all the time, right? And they don't even know who they are. They haven't even gone through their developmental process, getting to know themselves. And that was the same thing for me. You know, I started in, I think it was middle school. My parents started to introduce the idea of being a doctor and uh, I loved it. I mean, I personally, I, I was interested, you know, in, in what they would tell me. I remember they bought me an encyclopedia of the body and I used to love looking through it and looking at the pictures and I knew things that a lot of kids my age didn't know. Uh, and so there was definitely a lot of love there for it. But I think as I grew up and really went through my own experiences, I realized that there was, you know, there was something else calling me. And I think that was one of those moments where I realized, you know, this is not what I want to do. This is what I, my parents wanted me to do and what I told them because I knew it would make them happy. Uh, and so I, I moved away from that. Like I said, went to Fullerton. And then at Fullerton, it was, it was that moment too, again, of like, you know, this isn't the direction I want to go. And I remember in that moment thinking like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back, back up north. And, you know, I missed it up there as well, the freedom, right? I was back home here. And so it kind of went back to the same thing when I was 18. Um, I finally decided I'm going to go to San Francisco State, which is where I wanted to go initially. And I, I didn't go there. Uh, so I, I did my transfer process. And I remember getting there and kind of being stuck in the same major until I met a really close friend uh, who was also on the same boat. And she would tell me, like, you know, I thought this is what I wanted to do, and it's not. And I've been kind of exploring options. And so she brought up psychology. She brought up child development. And I remember sitting there with her and thinking, you know, I never, we never talked about this in my family. I didn't even, I know what psychology is, but it was never something that, you know, we, we believed in or talked about or even felt like it was something you could do a career with. And she told me about a uh, an information session they were having for the major for child development. And so I went to it and I realized how much I really love the understanding of humans and our development and our experiences. And it really resonated with me as someone that, you know, have had my own, uh, you know, experiences with obviously being a child growing up, my family, our experiences that, uh, you know, being a family in, in the U.S. when my parents were undocumented. Uh, and also for me being born first gen and the oldest who had to like navigate all these different systems for them. Uh, you know, and I was like, wow, like this, this is the first time I've ever heard anyone talk about development and actually like not tell me, oh, you know, they're not going to remember because they're kids, they'll grow out of it. And thinking like, no, like actually, shit, this is like really complex stuff. And I fell in love with it in that moment. And child development, at, at least in SF State, was really composed of not just a lot of a lot of policy uh, courses and legal courses, but also psychology courses and developmental courses. So it was almost like a mix of all this stuff that I wanted to do. And I thought, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And so we both signed up for it. I started the classes and I excelled like straight A's, A's on my papers. I started to almost like realize like, shit, this is like literally what was what I what it was calling me and what I actually had a lot of, you know, like a lot of, uh, of passion uh, to do. And I just didn't realize it. And so it went by super fast. I, you know, it's crazy. Cause when I think back, I'm like, I took about six, almost seven years to finish my undergrad because I just kept going back and forth about what, I, what I wanted to do. And I always appreciate that. Now I don't see that as a negative thing. I see it as I was trying to figure out who I was, what I wanted. And honestly, I, I at this point, I think 
I'm glad that it took that long if it got me to where I am because it, it, it aligned and it became part of my journey and what I do now. Um, but I excelled. It went by super fast. I finished. I got, uh, you know, the highest GPA I, I had in college since I started. And those two years, I ended up starting work at a child development center afterwards. And I stayed there for about five years working with parents, observing children and the behaviors, uh, doing a lot of information sessions and things like that. And I think at one point I was like, you know, I love this, but there's also something else. Like, what is it that, you know, I really wanted to to utilize this for and I started to uh, look into careers and therapy uh, was a big thing that my parents never mentioned you know we it was always very negative and I started to look up uh, careers as a therapist and I was like okay there's all these different things LMFT social workers you know doctoral level uh, practitioners psychiatrists um, and I remember the one that called out to me was the LMFT one and I really love the idea of of supporting people directly working with couples working with children working with adults and it was in that moment where I, I i was at that at that uh developmental center and i told myself you know what like maybe maybe you could try and like you should apply and get all your stuff together and there was only one school i applied to and it was it was mostly because when i when i saw the school and i saw some of the stuff that they offered and um you know it, it just really really felt right and that was a Cal State Long Beach. And I remember when I applied, I told my partner, you know what, they might not even reach out to me, yada, yada, you know, we got an email that said they received like over like, you know, 800 applications and, I, and they're only taking like 25 people. I'm like, they're not going to take me. And it's just, you know, I think our brain just kind of wants to not set their hopes up. And I remember getting an email and actually being told like, hey, like we want to interview you, you know, we chose you, uh, we had 100 applications that we chose and you're one of them, uh, you know, we want to interview you. And I remember like getting so excited and calling my parents and telling them I'm going to be in LA, I'm going to this interview at Cal State Long Beach. And my parents have always been those people that, um, you know, even through their own stuff, being religious and all this other stuff, they've always been supportive. And I remember them telling me, we're going to go with you. So the interview day comes, I fly down, uh, my parents come with me, we're in the waiting room, I'm the only one there with their parents there, like everyone else is, you know, sitting with their briefcase dressed up professional, I'm dressed in this awkward tie and I'm sitting there, my mom and dad are dressed up like they're going to church and they're just like sitting next to me, <laughs> and they're like, okay, we'll wait for you here, go in your interview, did the interview, came out, you know, they asked me how it went, I, you know, I, again, felt like, I don't know, maybe I probably won't get it. And I left back to San Francisco and my parents visited me that 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 week after. And I took them out to eat and we were having a Chinese food in downtown San Francisco with my partner and them. And, uh, you know, I told my partner, I remember even the day before I was like, man, you know what, it's okay. Like, I love what I do. It'll be fine. And I'm sitting there and I'm eating and I get a phone call from a number in Long Beach. And I'm like, you know, I didn't even think about it. I think in my head, I kind of had taken it out of my head. And I stepped out and I answered the phone and it was the director of the program. And she was like, you know, hey, Louise, I just want to say that we were really impressed by you. And I just want to say congratulations. We want to welcome you into the program. And, you know, as someone that not only was the first to go to college, but then now the first to get into a master's program and, and you know, get, and go into this career that was totally something no one ever talked about in my family. It was 
it was a really big moment. And uh, I remember crying and my partner like seeing me and coming over and like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, you know, yeah, I got into the program. And, you know, we started to celebrate and everyone's really happy. Um, and that was kind of how I started. I went through my program. It was, and, and the funny thing was that my program required us to go to therapy. And it was the first time I had ever gone to therapy, even yeah. though I was deciding to become a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most of us go into the field and we never even like had gone to therapy, right? Until we yeah. get into it. And it's like, you have to start. And that changed my life. Yeah. You know, therapy, I think. I mean, I'm glad, right? Honestly, right? I went into yeah, the field. No, I'm glad absolutely. that it actually. We all need it. I mean, I think we all go into this field for a reason, whether you're really young and you may not really like, you know, you realize or realizing you just stumble upon it or whether you did your research and you're like, this is what I want to do or whether you go back to school later in life. But I feel that there is a part within us as therapists that is seeking the medicine, right, that we also need. And academics and learning and reading for some people is a huge source of healing that just that in and of itself, right? So I think so many people can uh, can relate to doing this career and then healing as they navigate this journey. So I I wanted to ask you, for you, how has your healing unfolded, you know, as you've, you know, graduated and became a licensed therapist, and now that you're more experienced and seasoned, how have you witnessed your own healing in in conjunction with the work that you offer? How has that expanded along with the, 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 the work that you offer to others? Yeah, no, thank you for asking that. And you're absolutely right. I I do believe that this type of work is so unique and so special. And, you know, even though it's it's definitely been westernized, obviously healing is not something that we invented, you know, here in the US or that was created from Freud. You know, I mean, it's stuff that was already being practiced even before in other cultures. So I do want to recognize that, that people have been healing for uh, thousands of thank years. You. And- yeah, thank you for acknowledging that because we don't talk about that enough, right? We don't talk about how our indigenous communities have been holding healing ceremonies. Yeah. They call it something else, but nevertheless, they 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 help an individual yeah. heal in community. They mm-hmm. they have these these rituals, and that's mm-hmm. been in place for yeah. lots of beautiful forever. practices. Lots yeah. of yeah. yeah, yeah, lots of beautiful practices. You know, I think you're right, we don't talk about it enough. And one of the things that is really important is for us to acknowledge that, you know, the way therapy is now modern day, it, 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 right, it falls under capitalism. I mean, that's kind of the way that it's been sh- shaped and, and created, right? It's a service. Uh, we have different modalities, we pay for different trainings, we have to go through a whole hurdle of things, whereas, and I get it, right? Obviously, there's pros to that, we have certain ethics that we have to follow, we have certain things that protect us, protect our clients. Uh, but it also does become a bit uh, 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 muddy, right, in, in some ways. Uh, and, you know, healing, I mean, like I was mentioning, right, it, it before, it was done through community. It was done through beautiful practices, rituals, uh, you know, in, in different ways, right, where, where people were were passing this knowledge down and this wisdom and storytelling. So I, I think a lot of that stuff's being reincorporated now. It's, and, you know, in I can go on and on about this, but what I will say is being reincorporated now because there's a value to it. And even though it's often dismissed, it's it's being recognized. And so a lot of yeah. my work is really centered around that as well, right? The human connection and not so much the diagnosing, not so much the telling people there's something wrong with them, not so much the, uh, you know, the, uh, ignoring 
the way that they're impacted by by the systems right that they live in by the social context of it right whether it is uh, uh someone that may be trans and is dealing with you know depression based off a lot of the stuff that's going on right now right current policies current uh politicians uh you know really demonizing right people uh who are trans and so um you know i think all of that is very important and stuff that we can't ignore in, in the work that we do. But for me, healing-wise, uh, you know, I think what I was sharing about starting therapy for my program, that was the start of, I think, my healing journey because it was the first time that I sat there with someone and it took a lot. I went in there thinking, like, I don't need to be here. Like, I'm the one that's going to be helping people. Like, why am I here? And sitting there for, like, three months before my therapist actually said to me, you know, Luis, I feel like you come in here every session and you tell me everything is great and yet you know i i'm just wondering like why you're going into this line of work if you you know if, if every i mean I, i'm just curious is there anything that did motivate you to go into this work and it was almost a similar question and i remember sitting there thinking like yeah like i grew up not having that support and you know she and she is so good at like being very gentle about it. And I remember she asked me like, well, what was it that you needed support with? You know, what was it that you wish you had? And I remember breaking down and saying like being gay and like no one understanding and not being able to talk to people about it and having to hide it and feeling so much shame and guilt about it. And she asked me, how do you feel about it now? I'm like the same, but like I still have shame and guilt. And I, that was the moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like I've been holding on to this and it was coming out in other ways, whether it was anger, whether it was, you know, pride, whether it was something, right, some type of coping, uh, you know, default coping mechanism, like avoidance or minimizing. And that was the first time that I, I, I talked about myself in that way. And, and I remember also the first time I felt safe saying it. Uh, for a long time, I never felt like I could just talk to anyone openly about it because I was so afraid of judgment. I was so afraid of rejection. I was so afraid of being misunderstood. And here was this therapist so patient with me for three months and then eventually asking me this question, right? Like, I'm just like, almost like she, she I, and I don't know if this is true, but almost like she was kind of like, okay, yeah, you come on. Like this, you, you, you're holding out on right. me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, all, we've all had patients or clients that, that keep coming and it's, but it, you know, it's, um, and you're almost, you're curious, right? It's like, well, tell me more. What, what brings you back when we're not really addressing anything or everything's great yeah absolutely mm -hmm. you need it you and needed that process, inquiry right? yeah yeah, yeah. it's a big process because many of us we just we're afraid you know and i i work with clients too where i say the same thing like i get it you know and i i i know that i i also need to earn your trust in some ways and also I want to make sure that you know that this is something we're co-creating together, right? That we're collaborating on. And it doesn't work if, you know, if I am the one, you know, telling you these things, because if, if, if you don't, if, if you don't see the benefit of it, if you don't see the work that comes on your part, if you don't see the, these, what's the word, how special this process is, yeah. then it may not, it may not work the way that mm -hmm. you want. And, you know, for me, that was what I needed, right? This person to have patience with me, but then say, like, what, what is it that is, you know, that maybe is there that you don't want to share? And I remember from that moment breaking down that that was it. And I've had about 
or therapist now uh, for different reasons, you know, insurance changes or uh, moved, relocated. Back then we didn't do, you know, teletherapy, so it was all in person. Um, and each one brought up something very different for me and I worked on something very different. And that was a big part of my healing journey. As I finished grad school, I excelled academically. You know, I got scholarships. I was able to get a stipend afterwards. I was able to get jobs. My salary went up each time that I, you know, I, I was able to do all of these things. And it was because I had started that work where I started I to learn that. about myself yeah. and, you know, and just appreciate myself. And it, I think that the the biggest transformation has happened for me in the last three years and that was when I was working at Kaiser I went through a whole ordeal there you know I um, don't want to go into too much detail but I, I didn't have the best experience and towards the end um, my parents had gotten very sick with COVID and they you know I was I didn't feel like I was being very supported and that was the moment where I remember sitting there thinking like you're feeling depressed you are physically struggling, you know, you're sick. Um, your parents are in the hospital. You're not working with the people that you want to work or supporting, you know, the, the way that you feel you could. You know, I was offering half an hour appointments once a month to my clients at, at, at Kaiser. And it was, it was so not, uh, you know, even a, 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 an opportunity to have a therapeutic process. It was very much what I like to call <laughs> drive-through therapy, you know, come in, tell me your problem, let's go see you next month, you know, and it, and it didn't feel good. And I remember sitting there, um, uh, the last straw was being told, oh, yeah, if you go see your parents and you have to come in, you're going to get ridden up if you're not back in San Francisco. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I not, you know, that's not my priority. My, my parents are, you know, my family is. And so I remember leaving to LA, taking that time off after I did get support from human resources. And when I, I think it was the second month of my three month uh, uh, leave, I got a call from my manager and it was not a, a great conversation. I remember just kind of thinking to myself, I need, I need to leave. Like I need to do something for myself. And that was the first moment where I think all of that work started to kick in. And I was like, why do I not trust myself? Like I need to like, I need to take this risk for me. And I remember, uh, you know, also having community, right. That was, that was, I think the most helpful part. I reached out to uh, Adriana of Latinx Therapy and I connected with her and I had asked her like hey do you have any any support or do you can give me and she offered me her course that she had and I remember taking it everything was so laid out that I was like oh you know I can do this like I, I can set this up and I remember just starting and obviously making mistakes and going back and like you know spending money on stuff that I was like oh shoot I could have done that for free here all this stuff, you know, just being a first-time business owner, being a first-gen who didn't really know a lot about, be, you know, owning a business or the legal stuff. You know, I, I learned from my dad and business, and you know, for, for a lot of our community is not the same, you know, it's, it's very different. So having to know all these things was just like so intense for me. And I remember having that course changing it because it was like, okay, this is what you need to do. Step by step, by step this is how you'll get started. And what was really helpful for me too was that in that moment I decided I need to show up as myself if I'm going to go into a private practice if I'm going to create my own business if I'm going to offer these services and take the risk completely I need to be me and I remember 
throw, I literally did this and I, I tell people sometimes like I grabbed all my ties that I used to wear to go to like uh, a Kaiser or work and other places in my button up shirts and I threw them away. I was like, I'm done. Like this I is not that. me. Yeah. This was yeah. never me. And I look, I, I hated it. And I remember like, I started to explore more about myself. I told my partner who's always been very supportive with me and my process, you know, I, I think I want to wear makeup. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh, he's like, okay. He's like, yeah. And he was like, what made you, you know, like just mm-hmm. want to wear? It? And I was like, well, it hasn't been now. I'm like, it's been always. There was a part of me that always felt very dulled down. You know, I grew up a kid that was often told, don't sit like that. Don't walk like that. Don't talk like that. That's for girls. You shouldn't like this. You shouldn't do that. And always so limited that it was a part of me that I really hated, that I felt like there's something wrong with me because this is what this is this is how I feel and yet everyone's telling me it's not okay and I remember my partner being the first person to just be like yeah babe let's go and he actually went with me to the Mac store um, and he was helping me try on stuff and I remember the people there were so nice and just so welcoming and I, I you know it was it was so fascinating to me because I had seen a lot of queer folks who had been exploring with makeup who were actually the best in the industry who people were like oh my god I need to see their tutorial they're so good you know they're, they're gay and they do this and knowing that you know makeup was about creativity right and it's it's funny because historically if you think about it like men wore makeup a long time ago and things shift obviously socially all this shit but I just remember it like having so many excuses. And in that moment, I was like, I can't, you know, I want to explore who I am and how I want to show myself and how I want to feel. Went there, got all this stuff, got super excited, uh, you know, started to also think about my clothes and thinking like, I hate pants. I hate these button up shirts. I need to like, you know, what is it that I like? And I started to explore a lot around like, uh, uh, you know, gender fluid, like non-conforming clothing uh, that really felt more fitting to me and more exciting and like felt good. And even at that point, like I had always loved fashion, but I never was someone that would be adventurous with it because of the same thing. You know, what are people going to say? How am I going to be looked at? And I think there was a moment of anger where I was just like, I'm tired of this. Like I cannot keep living my life the way that other people want. And all of that has given me is depression (laughs) and anxiety and anger and it was a slow process and i will say now you know three years later i found what i like what i don't like even with makeup there's some stuff i love and i'll wear it and i'll use it there's some stuff that i was like it's not for me i don't like it there's clothes that i i love now that i need in the middle almost of my energy or depends on how i'm feeling but i don't shy away from it anymore and that was a big part of my practice too Right, was I'm going to show up as this queer, you know, first gen indigenous Latinx human who wants to help people, who has his own history and experience and message. And I will let people come to me if they see something that they really connect with and they say, that's someone that I want to work with. And I have been honestly blessed with, with, with a lot of success in that area that, you know, I can say with, with certainty, my practice is 100% LGBTQ, queer, and or BIPOC uh, clients uh, from all walks of life, creatives, uh, people in different industries uh, who have all sought me out and have shared the same thing with me. I saw you, I heard what you had to say, and I felt connected to you. And I feel like you understand me. And to me that, it means a lot because I didn't have that. 
And so that is my healing as well. And I still go to therapy now. I still have my therapist and I've learned to advocate for myself, even with therapists. Now I have my first queer therapist that I, ne I had never had before. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's, I think a big part of my healing journey uh, and it's still going to be ongoing, right? I'm a big believer that healing is lifelong, you know, that we're always going to grow, shift, change. Um, and I'm in a new, a new space in my healing right now with my own therapist. So, you know, something else that I'm working through. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of <laughs> so beautiful. answer your question. No, Lu Luis, that was such a beautiful story of your healing. And I, I'm just so appreciative that you are there doing the work and serving this underrepresented, underserved community and uh, the LGBT, the BIPOC, Indigenous. I, I, there, I think your website is, says human first, then therapist. And I think you are, <laughs> what you shared is the embodiment of that, right? And is seeing humans for who they are and all their uniqueness and layers and, and identities. And what I'm getting from what you just shared is that you welcome that and you, you, and it sounds like that's the, the folks that look, that go to see you are thriving in that and look for simple you know we all look for for like-minded souls right that we that resonate in, in a deeper way and I think you offer that and so I'm so appreciative that you are there that you exist and that you're offering this work to others which this medicine right which is even more powerful that you embody that and you and you you have that experience to offer it to the healing work for others yeah yeah, so thank, thank you. you. Yeah, that philosophy. Oh, sorry, yeah. I was just gonna say, no, I, go I want to thank you for bringing up that that message on my website because I think that is what I have strived for uh, as a as a big uh, not just value but really a a something I put into practice. Right, is being human, and I am very transparent even with my clients, with everyone. I am not perfect. I do not know everything. I do not. You know, I, I want to even give the perception that, you know, even as an expert in this field, that I'm going to be like, you know, perfect for everyone. I'm all about people. I'm all about connection. I'm all about knowing that I also have my own limitations, my own shit that I'm working through. And also, you know, the therapist part, the second, uh, you know, is that, yeah, I have definitely put commitment and love and money and time and work into building myself up right in this field. Um, you know, and, and, and many first-gen folks know it, it, it's tough navigating a lot of these spaces, right, uh, financially, um, time-wise. And so for me, it's, you know, that's, I think that's why I wanted that to be so prominent there, that, yeah, you know, you're coming absolutely. to see a human. Absolutely. But also, you know, someone that's put work. Yeah. yeah, no, beautiful. And for the folks that um, that would like to get to know you a little bit more, maybe even work with you or get familiar with your work, how can people find you? Yeah, yeah, I, I have quite a few, quite a few ways. So uh, the main one is my therapy site with Liz, and that is uh, www.psychosocialtherapy.com. Uh, the other one is the media platform that I do run that is getting revamped and getting a little bit of a, of a, of a what is it, a redesign. And that one is www.psychosocial.media. People can read mental health articles there. They can find resources there, hotlines. They can also uh, hear some of the old podcast episodes that we had before and, and videos and stuff like that, collaborations. 
Uh, and then my modeling one that I do, and that one's more my portfolio, but also showcases a little bit of you know stuff that I've, I've been in, is uh, www.luis-line and then cornejo.com. And uh, Instagram is uh, at Luis underscore the T-H-E-E underscore L-M-F-T. Uh, and that's where I post a lot more of like content and get to be a little bit more creative. Uh, and so all of those have ways of contacting me if anyone you know is interested or has a question or wants to work with me in different capacities, therapy, collaborations, creativity, anything like that. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And I just have to say, I've been following your Instagram account for a, for a long time. And this is the first time we we talk that we we connect in this way. And I think you just for me and in, in getting to know you over the last couple of years through Instagram and now talking to you, it's almost like full circle because I see, you know, who you are as a human, as a person, I could tell that you're so kind and, and so generous with your, the, 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 the healing and the information that you share and everything that you do online, I could tell. And now meeting you, you're, I, you're so warm and so open to sharing your story, which I think is, is a, for so many people, the inspiration for their own healing journey and for the path that they need to take. So thank you for, for that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for inviting yes, me uh, for allowing me a platform to, you know, talk yes, about my story. Definitely. Thank you, Luis. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.